This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Friday, June the 7th. I'm your host, D.A. Tonight, game number four of the NBA Finals. And one thing we know, Kevin Durant out again. Looks like Klay Thompson will play, but KD will not. That allows the door to be cracked open a little wider for the Toronto Raptors to step in. Can they win another road game of this series and take a commanding 3-1 series lead back to Toronto? We'll see. One thing we can say is that most of America and the basketball world surprised at how competitive this Raptors team has been. Is Steve Kerr surprised? Here he was on the Damon Bruce Show. 95.7 the game in San Francisco. Steve, with all the scouting that you guys have put in on the Raptors, is there a singular Toronto performance that has stood out to you as something you weren't expecting or that guy just you know, has, has, has changed your opinion of who you thought he was before you started playing against him in the NBA Finals? Uh, no, no. In fact, um, you know, in the words of the great Denny Green, they are who we thought they were, something like that. Is that how it went? Yeah, they are yeah. who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Yeah, that was yeah, me pounding the table. The I don't know if we let them off the hook. They're, they're you know, they, uh, we, I think it, it, it took a couple games for us to get a feel, uh, maybe a game and a half to get a, a real feel for, uh, you know, what they were trying to accomplish, what, you know, what their team's about. You, you need, you need, you know, game experience for that. The tape doesn't do it justice. And I think we've adapted and adjusted, um, so we were well aware of, of the threats, uh, well aware of uh, how well-rounded they are. They pass really well from multiple positions. They got a lot of three-point shooters. Kawhi Leonard, the superstar. You know, Mark Gasol, excellent passing center and can score as he did last night and in game one. So there's uh, no, there's no surprises. So this obviously is not a surprise because we've seen it ever since he came on the floor as a rookie pretty much, but watching Kawhi Leonard among the many things that stand out to me is just the, the incredible physical strength. And I feel like you watch both Clay and Draymond, two of, in my view, the, the strongest guys for their size in the league, but Kawhi just seems on a total other level. And I'm just wondering if there's a comparison you can think of for a guy who, yeah, sure, he looks strong, but he doesn't look like Anthony Mason, and he just seems to have a physical impact that is way beyond how he looks. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, something that maybe doesn't uh, show itself on TV as as well as it does live courtside. I mean, he's incredibly strong, got huge hands, you know, big wingspan, and uh, really good footwork too. You know, that's where he's he's really uh, come into his own. You know, during the NBA, I watched him at San Diego State, and 
you know, I, I, nobody could see this coming. You know, he was a 27% three-point shooter, didn't handle the ball much. Uh, so what the Spurs did with him development-wise, you know, down there was amazing. His, uh, his jump shot has become really, you know, routine for him and solid. But his footwork is brilliant, and you combine that with the strength, and he's he's a uh, he's a load. Were you disappointed that after all the hours upon hours of tape you must have watched and practice time you spent, that Nick Nurse didn't go back to the box and won in Game Three? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was no surprise. Um, <laughs> you know, box and one is is so gimmicky. And it worked well. I thought it was a great move by Nick, uh, and it worked well in game two. But, um, you know, you look at the tape, and, and one of the reasons we don't play much zone, every once in a while we'll throw one out there, but it, it's terrifying. You give up so many good good shots. But the whole point of it is to, um, you know, throw the defense out of rhythm. If they're in a good – or throw the offense out of rhythm. You know, if they're in a good groove against your man-to-man, you know, maybe you change it up and – and uh, and that's what they did, kind of in desperation mode. But that's not a defense in the NBA that you're going to play uh, very often, that's for sure. You know, that's the right answer by Steve Kerr, and I expect nothing less. Steve has proven himself to be very savvy when it comes to speaking about opponents and getting his message through the media. But you don't want to admit now that down 2-1, oh, we're shocked at how good the Raptors are. No, you have to play the card of we knew how good they were, we took them seriously, they've got great players, because anything else comes off as disrespectful and then really puts egg on your face if you do end up losing this series. It makes the coaching staff under fire because it suggests that they didn't have them properly prepared, that they overlooked them due to arrogance. So that's the right move by Steve Kerr. But let's face it, there's got to be some surprise inside that Warriors locker room that right now they're on the ropes down 2-1, that without a win tonight, Things could look really bleak for him. From Game 3, a major subplot was Warriors minority owner Mark Stevens shoving Kyle Lowry as Lowry dove into the stands. So, the NBA and the Warriors decide one-year suspension from any NBA games for Stevens and a half-a-million-dollar fine. What are the punishment? Too much? Here's the Gary Parish Show on 9-2.9 in Memphis. There's a roaring debate right now on social media about whether that is enough. It feels like enough to me. Like, I, I think the guy's a total weasel, and there is no place for that. That's where I'm at. But I don't know, like, what, does it need to be two years or ten years? Like, I, you need to make sure everybody understands this is not okay. You need to have punishment that actually stings. And I don't know that $500,000 stings a billionaire, but not being able to be involved in any way with the franchise that you at least partly own, like that's a real, for a year, that's a real punishment. So if you'd abandoned him for life, people would have screamed that's excessive. So now we're just arguing over how many years, and one feels fine to me. I'm not going to uh, sit here and scream that it's not enough. It, it, it feels, um, if not appropriate, close to uh, appropriate. But it is wild to me that, when I retweeted the scene this morning and just tweeted hashtag, hashtag ban the clown in blue, by the way, note that I didn't say ban him for life, ban him for 20 years, just ban him for something. Mm-hmm. I don't think just the rest of the season would have been enough, but I felt like he needed to be punished in a way that, um, if not taught him a lesson, because I imagine it's hard to teach billionaires lessons, but, but makes it clear to everybody else, 
Like this type of fan behavior is not okay. I felt it was important for them NBA to do something. And so I made that point. And a guy jumped on Twitter and replied in this way. He said, is this being blown out of proportion? Maybe the guy was thinking it's not worth diving into my girl and potentially hurting her to save a loose ball. Then fight or flight kicked in. When I read a fan shoved him, I was thinking something much worse. How soft are we? Come on, bro. Well, first things, I'm not your bro. All right, so let's start there. <laughs> secondly, oh, I hate that. Secondly, um, what are you talking about? It's not worth diving into the stands to save a loose ball. Are you out of your mind? It's Game Three of the, the NBA Finals. Finals. Hey, it's not. It's not worth. It's worth everything. This is the highest stakes basketball games that these people will ever play yeah. in. It's what they've been dreaming about their entire lives. You're playing like the best team ever, and you're saying it's not worth. Like, think of the alternative to diving for that ball. It's it's not diving for that ball and people questioning whether you want it badly enough. Yep. Beyond all that, he didn't dive into the guy's girl. Exactly. She was standing up and he dove past her. If she got touched at all, it was barely. Yep. And where Kyle Lowry landed was two seats from this guy. It ain't even like he landed on the guy. Like, I could almost understand guys holding the baby. Kyle Lowry dives into him. Kyle Lowry's now on top of the baby. Guy shoves Kyle Lowry to get him off the baby. I can almost yeah. understand that, although I would ask the obvious question, why are you sitting there with a baby? Right. But if those were the circumstances, I'd be like, listen, that is really where maybe your instincts just kick in. All Take everything else, put it aside. In that moment, all you got is a man laying on top of your baby. You're trying to get that man off of your baby. Even if he just lands on you super hard, like like I can kind of understand like in the in the moment, you know, Maybe. Maybe. I'd still say no. I'd say lands on your baby, get off my baby. Lands well, yeah. on you, let him get up on his own. And then he'll probably tap you, ask, ask you if you're okay, and then you guys are cool. And you're, you've yeah. just been in a highlight that'll get shown on SportsCenter 50,000 times. Either way, ain't none of that what happened. No. Kyle Lowry landed two seats away from this guy. Kyle Lowry never touched this guy. And the guy reached over. Push Kyle Lowry, whether you think it was hard or not, push Kyle Lowry unnecessarily. And then according to Kyle Lowry, was yelling at Kyle Lowry to go F himself. F yourself. F you. Go F yourself. No, yeah. That's not okay. Mm-mm. That's not okay. We we can we can debate the punishment for the crime, so to speak. But we ain't gonna debate whether that's okay or not. It's not okay. You know, I don't think it's too much. I think that's pretty good from the NBA and, and pretty smart to at least not run away from this. The one thing that the NBA and the Warriors couldn't do was try to defend him or try to hide from it. It happened in the NBA Finals. Everybody was watching. And maybe it's not as big a deal if it's the Hawks and the Kings in December. But the fact is it was the NBA Finals. And the Warriors are the golden children of the NBA. And if they're going to act like they are smarter than everybody else, which Joe Lacob has suggested, well, then they can't have an owner shove a player in the middle of the NBA Finals. So I'm glad the NBA came down. Did it need to be more than one year? I don't think so. I think the humiliation part of this is pretty dramatic, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Warriors want to push him out of the front office or push him out of an ownership stake because of how much embarrassment they have gotten over this. But I'm okay with a one-year suspension, I don't think the fine's that big a deal, but certainly one year away and humiliation, that's a pretty dear price to pay. 
Steph Curry already has three championships, but the guys in Cleveland are wondering, is he actually legendary yet? I mean, Steph is clearly a winner, but Steph has also been part of the franchise that's a modern dynasty and has a ton of other talent around him. So, can we call Steph a legend yet? Here's the Ken Carmen Show in Cleveland on 92.3 The Fan. Kenny, I agree that Steph Curry is not top 10 all time yet. Bet your ass. Uh, obviously, we know he's the best shooter ever. Nobody would even debate that. He's changing. Uh, I can all... go back and give you some Sam Jones video. There's nobody. Nobody's even close yeah, to that. Yeah, that's true. He's not in the top 10 right now. And part of it is because in terms of dominant years he's had in the NBA, he's only really had... From an overall game perspective, he's only had four dominant years in the NBA. The two before that, he was starting to learn what his powers were. And his coaching staff, remember, he played with Mark Jackson, who did not understand, hey, maybe it's a good idea math-wise, just like all these coaches didn't understand, to just allow this kid to shoot threes from everywhere like he did at Davidson, and it's going to be better for us. And then he did when Steve Kerr took over, and that's when everything changed. They realized, hey, this is a math advantage for us, and now every team in the league plays like this. Everybody in college is starting to play like this. They moved the three-point line back in college. But you're right. This isn't about your profound impact yep. on the sport in his general. His impact is incredible. Nobody I, I'm would not deny taking it. away his impact. But when it like Kurt Flood it had a great impact on he's professional not an baseball, great player. But he's so. not an all-time great. You're right. So there's a separation here. I think he needs to string together. And this is all going to be about health and that ankle. And we know both those ankles are issues for him. He needs to have another five years of this. To be able to do it. That's why Kobe Bryant is up there. Sustained excellence over time. That's why Tim Duncan. You know, fine. Top 10, top 12. Whatever you want to do with Kobe and 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 Tim Duncan. They did it for sustained excellence. That's the thing about LeBron. LeBron doing this going on two decades. Sustained excellence. That's I, I why agree. he's there. I agree. I think I can just boil it down to even more. Can you throw a team on your back and win an NBA Finals? Could, could you take Michael Jordan in his prime... And sub out Steph Curry with this team that's hurt with, with Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. Could you do that with LeBron, Kobe, Wilt, Kareem, Magic, Larry, Shaq and win a yeah, title? Here's yes, why, you could. here's why I don't love, I don't love that stipulation. Okay, go ahead. Even though we've had LeBron do it, although he had help, uh, these teams always have help. The reason I don't love that stipulation is because now in the NBA, the only way you can win a championship is to have a super team. No guy is really doing it on their own. Although if Kawhi does it this year, and, it would be an anomaly. And I'm not saying beat Golden State in the past, yeah. which LeBron did. I'm saying beat this Toronto team. Like if any one of these players that I mentioned are on that team, and maybe I, and maybe this is a little bit where I'm not giving Kawhi his proper respect, mm. which you could use against me, and maybe I should a little bit more. But any one of these players on that team, as they are right now, Clay hurt, banged up, whatever, the whole thing. I think they beat the brakes off the Toronto You think so? Yes. With who? Start naming guys. Again, Michael, LeBron, Kobe, Will, Magic, Kareem, Larry, Shaq. You know, I think if you're trying to put Steph Curry in a top 10 position all time, it's just prisoner of the moment. Steph had a wonderful game number three. Nobody can argue against that. I mean, 47 points against one of the stingiest defenses in the NBA, kind of single-handedly dragging that team to be somewhat competitive, that's a pretty big notch in his cap. To be able to do that without Clay and without Kevin Durant and Draymond being pretty miserable on that night. But why do we have to put Steph Curry already in the top 10? Why why can't we wait to see what he does? Because they're right. He needs some more longevity when it comes to really being an all-time great. The longevity of guys like Magic and Larry and Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain and Michael Jordan and LeBron James, that's what puts them in there. Not a four- or five-year run. 
So I think we can afford to wait and see if Steph can continue to do this. For right now, he's one of the best players of the NBA, but that doesn't mean he has to be one of the best players ever. The Stanley Cup final has been riddled with officiating questions, and last night more as game number five go to the St. Louis Blues, and a missed tripping call by the officials helped lead to a 2-0 Blues advantage. So was the officiating that bad, or were the Bruins embellishing? Here's 97.1, the ticket in Detroit with Jamie and Stoney. The call last night, unless you're a diehard St. Louis Blue fan, I haven't seen anybody that said it was the right non-call. I don't think it was the right non-call, but I do think, uh, I thought there was a little bit of embellishment by Achari. I thought he got tripped, and then I thought he flung himself down. I thought there was a little bit of embellishment. Now, it still should have been called a penalty. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. But I think this gets to one of the root problems in this sport and in the NBA, which is guys either embellishing or bitching after every single call, and they make the ref's job that much more difficult. I don't think this was an embellishment at all. But that's, that's not that, my point. But, but I know, but, I know okay. but that said, your general uh, point is is correct. You don't I, think he embellished at all? No, not at all. I think he. I, I think he was going down, and he. Th- there was a. It had a look to it of a guy who was like he was going to fall over regardless, but then he just went, "Whoa!" You know, it's it's like if a guy gets knocked into in basketball and then immediately goes flying down the court to take a charge. Sometimes charges are charges. Other times, charges can be embellished, and I thought that was slightly embellished. Well, whatever. The, the the bigger issue, and and you're right, guys embellish stuff right. in both sports. You know, in all sports. I mean, yes. you get guys in baseball who pretend to get hit by Remember pitches. Remember, Derek Jeter did that. Derek like, Jeter did it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what, what moxie! He's a hero. And then Alex Rodriguez does it. He goes, oh, he's a cheater. He's, he's a skunk. Doing everything you can to win a game. Right. It's doing everything you can to win a game. So is that gamesmanship? Well, if you're going to do that, that's fine. Then you're going to understand that the referees are going to miss some calls because they're not sure if they are being hoodwinked or not. And if you want to put more replay into hockey, that's your prerogative. But I just don't know how Bruce Cassidy can sit there after a game and say the officiating is a black guy on the sport when in every single NHL game you are going to have guys who, you know, will pretend to be hit, will stay down, will whatever. And that makes the official. It's a two-way street. Yeah, but he's right. In these playoffs, they've had these calls you know, from the you know the the Golden Knights Shark series to the the one in Columbus where the puck you know hit the net and they never saw it and it led led to a goal. Uh, you've had four instances where they've been major controversies. And yes, he's right. It does put a black eye. I disagree yes, with you because because we're talking about it. That's what he means. Was a black guy. He's not saying the officiating they need to change. It's horrible. He's saying it does put a black eye on the sport. When instead of talking about how great the St. Louis Blues played last night, their goaltender was incredible. We're talking about a ridiculous Stoney, we call. We wouldn't be talking about it otherwise. So I guess your question is: Do you want to have a black eye or no eye? No. I mean, honestly, you you know how it is around here. Yeah, but I mean, he's but Bruce Cassidy and coaches of the NHL they they don't give a rat's ass about the national if if people are in Detroit or people in North Dakota are watching the Stanley Cup Finals. He's talking about a black eye on their series. I, I just think that's overstating it. It's a bad call, okay? It's a blown call. But he said it himself. They stopped playing, okay? Right. Penalty number one. The penalty didn't get called, but for whatever reason, the Bruins stopped playing, which allowed the Blues to score. It also, there was a lot of time left in the game. Now, a two-goal deficit is difficult right. to overcome. Well, he said that too, yes. Yeah, no, he said all those things. He said all the right things. But, you know, we're talking about countless hockey games, and we're picking out three major things because the only time we talk about hockey in this town, if the Red Wings aren't playing is if there's a major penalty that's screwed up. 
And so you can sit there and say, it's a black guy for the sport. Then why don't you, as the head coach of one of the most powerful franchises in the entire sport, suggest a solution? Personally, I didn't think there was a lot of embellishment either. I thought that was a pretty standard call. But I think the problem that the Bruins run into is that over the first three games, they had a massive advantage because of the officials' whistles. You know, the Blues were whistled for 14 penalties through three games of this series. That means that the Bruins had an average of five power plays per game over the first three, and that's when Blues coach Barube, he was the guy that started saying, well, suddenly we're the least disciplined team in the NHL all of a sudden, and then the whistles went away, and now you have the Bruins coaching staff trying to do the same thing the other way, trying to lean on the officials. So was it a blown call last night by the refs? Yeah, it was. But can I say that's why the series is 3-2? No, because early in this series, I think the Bruins got the benefit of the whistle. Nonetheless, the NHL's officials over the course of this postseason definitely have deserved criticism. In Philadelphia, Gene Segura caught some flack from the fans of the media for not hustling out of the box. Andrew McCutcheon ultimately injured. And now, what happens to the Philadelphia Phillies? Well, here's Angelo Cataldi in the morning show for WIP who has Gabe Kapler, the manager of the Phillies, on, and the two get into it over this scenario. His inability to just simply do what you're supposed to do cost you one of your best players. Uh, doesn't that factor into the way you react to it? What you're, what you're saying is categorically not true. It didn't. Andrew McCutcheon did not get hurt because Gene Score did not run out of the batter's box. What you're saying is just not true. He got hurt because he got in a rundown. He planted his knee wrong, and his knee gave out. There would have been no rundown. There would have been no rundown. There's, there's a thousand things in the game that led up to that moment that could have changed, variables that could have changed, that there would have been no rundown. Gabe, and, and if he ran, you want to go back, you if he back ran Kinsler wouldn't have on, dropped the ball. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. You want to go back to every other pitch? Right. What if there was a strike called earlier in the game that should have been a ball? that changed the outcome of that at bat. Gabe, you're trying to complicate a very simple issue. He would not have been in a rundown if he didn't run. That's why Kinsler let the ball drop. If he did run, Kinsler would have caught the ball and McCutcheon wouldn't have been in a rundown. True. If there was was a, a ball called earlier in the game, and no, about, you're just and trying to complicate defense. a simple issue, Gabe. It's not, okay, let's let's go back. He to got caught in a rundown and blew his let's, knee out. Let's let's go back. Let's go back to your issue. Let's go back to your issue. Let's say I decide to take him out of the game in that situation. Yeah, something like that. Okay. It doesn't make it doesn't make Gene Segura better. It doesn't make the Phillies better. And I'm not going to do it just because you are upset. Again, I'm going to go back to what okay, I said earlier. Fair enough. This isn't. This, this, this is a matter of being direct. It's a question of common sense. Segura has been one of our best players. He doesn't deserve to be scapegoated like this. He leads our team in batting average. He's been our best base runner. He's stabilized our defense. He's played for us hard all year. Kutch and the rest of his teammates think, he, think he's a professional. Those are what stand out to me, not what you're saying. Right, but, Gabe, you said that it was completely out of character to do what happened on that play. He was benched last September 29th by his manager, Scott Service, for doing the same thing, not running hard. It wasn't just, the first and I, time. And I just, I just addressed for you why that is a strategy 
that makes sense for the Philadelphia Phillies. Okay, I understand that. But you're, you're, see, one of the issues that came up last year, Gabe, and you were talked to by Andy McPhail about this, was being honest and forthcoming with the fans. You did a testimonial to Segura for fans that were absolutely apoplectic over losing Andrew McCutcheon. It didn't sit well in the city at all. Do you understand that? I was, I was being forthright then. I'm, this, is, this isn't a matter of being honest and forthright. It's a question of common sense. Okay, just like I said. And what you're saying right now isn't common sense. It doesn't it, make sense what you're saying. It isn't common sense that he was benched last year for not running. No, it, is, it, 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 isn't, it doesn't make sense that he should be scapegoated or that we should take him out of that game because of all the reasons I just articulated okay. to you and laid out very clearly. You are he's not holding... Like, let me he's make one of our best base runners. He right. stabilized our defense. He's played hard for us all year. And Kutch, all of us, think he's a professional. All right, but you understand, I don't consider it scapegoating when you lost your best player because he didn't I, I, run. Not, You're not even I, I acknowledging really, that. You're not even acknowledging I, that him not running led to the injury to McCutcheon. You honestly don't see one and one equaling two? I, I absolutely do not see one and one. Wow, that's two. amazing. I see, I see, yeah, no, I, I, what I see happen, like I said, Kutch stumbled out of the box. He didn't have his feet under him. Once he got his balance. Right. He wasn't able to run as hard as he usually does. He acknowledged that. And talking about acknowledgement, I'm acknowledging that. Okay. He can do a better job running out of the batter's box. Right. Also acknowledging that our, our, our center fielder at the time, our leadoff hitter, got hurt in a major way. And that sucks. I'm saying it's not Segura's fault. And to say that it is, is absolutely irresponsible. Oh, it is. Well, then you better tell the whole city because everybody thinks it, it no, was, that was the reason. Speak for the whole, Angela, you don't speak for the whole city. I talk to a hell of a lot more fans than you do. Now, see, that's just some good old-fashioned Philly sports talk where you actually have the manager on the show and you argue with him openly and you guys are battling over what happened on the field. That's what we love about great sports talk radio, actually talking to the people that make the decisions or play the games and then, if you dislike it or disagree, call them out on it. I love it. As for hustling in modern baseball, yeah, I, I would tend to agree that it would be nice to see a little bit more of it. Finally, on the football field, Odell Beckham, now a member of the Cleveland Browns, seems to take a not-so-subtle shot at Eli Manning's arm. Was OBJ specifically throwing shade at ELI? Here's CMB on FAN in NYC. Odell yesterday in Cleveland saying something that many took as throwing shade at Eli. Let's take a listen. You decide for yourself. I'm going to have to get adjusted to the speed because he's, I mean, he's got an arm. You know, he's throwing that ball hard. Um, so just catching him from the first day, it was like, wow, this is, this is completely different. Uh, it just takes time. You know, something that... Like I said, again, we play in September, so it's a good thing. Complete, yeah. uh, you He's know, catching that Ari Dickey ball from Eli. Knuckleball? <laughs> 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 I don't know. If it's throwing <laughs> the, the slow, the slow breaking ball. Nice catching the old Terminator. Obviously, compl- complimenting Baker Mayfield, the old Terminator number one. <laughs> <laughs> you can hit it. You can name it. Dis uh, or not? To me, no. To, to me, no. To, to anyone who thinks Did that I just Eli, call it a diss? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, the, the fact that Eli meant, if it's, it's news 90s? to you, 
80s. If it's news to you that Eli Manning and Baker Mayfield throw a different type of ball, then I can't help you. I I think you're really, really trying to grasp at straws here if you think that was total shaded Eli. It's a different kind of football that Baker Mayfield is throwing. I'll give Odell the benefit of the doubt here. You don't have to. I know, but in this case I will because I I almost think that he would just be like, yeah, he throws it a hell of a lot harder than Eli ever did. I think That would be a little bit more (laughs) of a shade. He he usually takes the gray out. Yeah, he doesn't leave room for interpretation. What do you think? Was that? But also, also, also he's going to have to get used to the off-schedule plays. You know, something that, you know, He's not been used to the off-schedule plays, the quarterback buying time, the scramble drills, all those type of things, having the principles. Those are what he really is going to have to do. That's what you talk about when you talk about the chemistry because Baker Mayfield is tremendous at buying time with his feet, you know, still being in the pocket, still keeping his eyes up the field. So we'll see. You know, I'm telling you, it's, but it's a lot of pressure on that Cleveland team because they're expected to win now. And if you haven't won last year, what are you building off of? You're putting a lot of different pieces together and we, they all have to complement each other. We only know that when you actually the, the bullets are live. Did you think that was shade towards Eli? Yeah, it was a little. It, what what I've learned about Odell is nothing's by mistake. You know, he's very calculated, sure. and he's he's crazy as a fox. So I think it was a little subtle diss, you know, out there because it seems like everybody's moved on from him out here, and they forget what he does, what he did here, and what he was the talent that he was. And it seems like everybody's happy. So it's like, all right, yeah, yeah. I got to get used to some stuff, you know, like an accurate ball. <laughs> I mean, I'm not used to getting hit in stride. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not used I'm to I'm not like, used to having to catch the ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's just arriving right where my hands are. It's crazy. Oh, that, that's definite shade thrown by Odell. I mean, when he goes out of his way to say, it's really different. It's a real change. Now I've got to adjust to a guy with a strong arm. That's a shot at Eli Manning. And look, Eli does not have the the fastball anymore. He's lost mileage on his arm. And in terms of miles per hour on that fastball, clearly, you know, he's lacked over the last couple of years. But Odell doesn't have to say that. And for Odell to say that is a cheap shot, but that's kind of what Odell's going to do because he's a guy that's into protecting his own perception and how people look at him and not so interested in defending anybody else that's not Odell. Yep, that'll do it. That's the best in your sports talk for Friday, June the 7th. What happens on the NBA Finals this weekend? What we'll see on Monday to discuss. We'll see you then, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 